Oh, boy, here we go for the Monday show. It is Stretch, and I am back at it. Going to get a whole full weekend this week. Can't wait. This is a moto-free week, if you will. We'll have moto interviews all week long. And that is from the podiums and the champions that were all crowned in Supercross after Saturday's uh, night's race in Utah. We'll give you all the moto minutes still of anything going on in the world of moto. We've got a lot to talk about as there's a hell of a lot of injuries and we'll slowly kind of map those out to see who's where in their recovery process and who's coming back and who might be calling it a career. The latest victim, Saturday night, almost deja vu-ish of the Eli Tomac injury one week before, Kenny Roxon in a heartbreaker, goes into a turn, puts his leg out, kind of catches his heel, it looks like, and hyperextends his knee and pulls off the track and is done for the night and it does not look good. And here's the really sad part. All Kenny had to do was finish the race. If he would have finished the race in any position, he would have got enough points to surpass uh, Cooper Webb for number three on the podium. But now I've seen some places say they're a tie and then I've seen it that Kenny is down by one point and Cooper is still number three. By all means, he did not pass Cooper Webb in points. So if there's a tie for number three, there's a tie for number three. I, like, I'm still trying to figure this crap out. And here we are, 48 hours since the race, just about. So Kenny Roxon, though, bummer, bummer, bummer for Kenny. And shout out to Chase Sexton for winning the championship. In fact, we will talk to Chase Sexton coming up here in moments. Chase Sexton is his first ever 450 Supercross championship. And he is stoked on that. So we will get down with Chase and talk about a, a great night, too. Like, I honestly bet against Chase on Saturday night because I thought, all right, this guy's going to take it easy because he's just got to finish the race. And he's already won, but he didn't. He went out there and put a freaking cherry on top of that Sunday. Besides Moto, we will talk to, well, I've got a shark attack story because those are always fun. I got a miracle from God. A miracle from the Lord Jesus that I want to talk about because I love to, I love it when I got good news and things like that that are awesome. And then we have uh, how Maine is kicking the crap out of California and New York and something, and I want to talk about that and shine a light on it. Got a bad stalker, a stalker guy. He's like, no, 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 no. My defense is she wanted to be stalked. She asked me for it. And then bad news if you're a Starbucks drinker. And I also have another one about firefighters. And a lady that'll steal your lottery money. There's a whole bunch of great news to get into. I'll get into as much of it as I can. But before that, I will get into Mr. Chase Sexton, HRC Honda. Here's what's crazy. Chase Sexton is number 23. Like Michael Jordan, his favorite basketball player, and he's from the Chicago area. He is in the year 2023. He is number 23. He is 23 years old. And his birthday is on the 23rd. Like, how were the stars not lined up for that guy this year? Oh, yeah, and Psychic Stretch predicted before the season even dropped a single gate that he would be your Supercross champion. Everything was lined up for him. Everything. So, shout out to Chase Sexton. We will talk about all this a little bit. I don't know if I'm going to tell him about the tarot cards. It, it kind of freaks people out when I start telling them I do the tarot cards. They think I'm crazy. I'm not crazy. You're the one that's crazy. I went to your schools. I went to your churches. I went to your institutional learning facilities. How can you say I'm crazy? You're the one that's crazy. 
Yeah, that's what I know. So we'll get into all of that. Coming up here in moments, a nice long interview with the current 450 Supercross champion, HRC Honda's Mr. Chase Sexton, right here on a big 49. Big 49, it is stretching right now. We are sitting down with your 2023 450 Supercross champion, Mr. Chase Sexton from the HRC Honda team. Congratulations, Chase. How great does it feel to officially be called the Supercross champion? Unbelievable to, to hear that come out of your out of your mouth and to win tonight uh, in those yeah. circumstances. That was probably one of my better main events I've had. And yeah. man, it's super special to be sitting here, uh, Supercross champion. Obviously, I've had lights championships, but yeah. nothing uh, nothing even comes close to <laughs> to 450 Supercross. So wow. I'm uh, super grateful. The people I have in my corner, my family, uh, my trainer. My agent Beeks, man, it's yeah. it's it takes a team, and throughout this year, through the through the ups and downs, we've uh, definitely had some had some frustrating moments, but yeah, uh, we we persevered through those and uh, never gave up, and it's uh, it definitely paid off. Yes, it did definitely pay off. You are the sitting reigning 450 champion of the freaking Supercross season, so that is just amazing. And and what's weird is. You've been the champion we've known for over a week now. After last week when Eli went down and then you got the win, where you're like, it's over. Chase has got it. But, you know, you're not officially crowned yet, and I know there's a lot of respect to Eli, and that was a bummer to see him go down the way he did. But until that happened, it didn't seem like it was even possible. And then here we are. You're the champ now. How hard has it been to keep it all in for this entire week and to maintain as you focus on wrapping up this season? Uh, yeah, I, I this whole week I was like, I don't want to hear anything about celebrating, nothing. I want to, okay. like I told Daniel, I'm, my goal is to win this race. And yeah. I, uh, yeah, I had a different week. Obviously, like I said, I didn't really ride much, but it yeah. didn't really train at all. So oh, wow. I was just kind of coming into this race. And obviously, the goal was to win the championship. And that was uh, the main thing. But I wanted to win this race and put a stamp on, on the season. And yeah. that race, I really just wanted to go out there and try and just put a stamp on it and that okay. was kind of my motivation i was super locked in didn't really have much like going on in my head just focused on the race and yeah. that's something like in this last these last six races i've been super focused and locked in and it's uh it's really paid off for me i've yeah i've uh i haven't had many races like that in the middle, middle of the season people were um very very hard on my my late race crashes and i feel like yeah. i've really uh, made a point to prove those guys wrong and it's uh it feels good it, it's gotta feel amazing because a few weeks back we were just talking well chase can technically still be in it but he's just got to keep winning and winning and now you've won five out of the last six races and then you come out tonight even though it was already wrapped up and you 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 put an exclamation point on it you really really did so how great does that feel just to how great you've been riding at the end of the season here uh definitely i mean just like with Eli last week and man I I wanted to win this race more than more than anything that was yeah. my goal coming in today was to, to win and uh, just put a stamp on this season really and I definitely feel like I did that and uh, it was it was a long week I was sick for for most of it I rode one time on outdoors and came road press day and we were ready to go so uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a long week thinking about this moment <laughs> and crossing that finish line and yeah. winning the race tonight was 
the, the stamp for me. I, I felt so good, and it, uh, yeah, this goes to show how much I've improved this season. And yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> I have, I really have no words. All right. Well, you say that you really wanted to win the race tonight, and you already had it in the bag. But it's what you kind of needed to do for yourself mentally. Uh, how much pressure did you put on yourself? to do it and and was that more for carrying the momentum into outdoors where you would probably have to be considered the favorite now especially with the strong strong finish here in supercross uh yeah i mean <laughs> before i went up for the for the main event i'm like man this not the season would be less sweet without winning tonight but yeah. it honestly was gonna feel that way if i didn't win that main <laughs> event so wow. i put a lot of not pressure on myself but expectations and it uh yeah, I pulled the whole shot and just tried to set sail and get away, and that was a really, like I said, that was some of my best riding I've done all season, and yeah. it uh, it means a lot just to be able to get out front, put those put those laps together, and be really consistent. That's what I've uh, lacked this season or middle of the season was just not finishing the races. I was good in the beginning, yeah. and then I would either make a mistake or just fall off, and that's something that you can't do in this class. So, um, yeah. Like I said, the people in my corner this year have put so much time and effort in to just get me out of that hole and put me uh, put me where I am right now. All right, and right now with so many other riders injured from the Supercross season, is there any shine off this upcoming outdoor season for you? I mean, last year you damn near won the whole thing. You're obviously the heavy favorite to win it now, but you're going to be out there with just uh, uh, not a lot of uh, top-level guys going into this outdoor season. Uh, I mean, I... Like I said, I, I want to race the best guys out there. And um, obviously, it's unfortunate to ha not have Eli and Jason and Justin and Kenny and all those guys. Um, obviously, we'll have Dylan back, which is yeah. he's, he's super good in outdoors. And we'll have Jet in the 450 class. So it's not going to be easy by any means, but I'm, uh, I'm ready to build off what I had last season and really just kind of build off what I've done in Supercross and carry it into outdoors. It's... Uh, my goal coming into this year was to, to be better than I was last year, and if I can do that outdoors, I think we'll be in a good spot. All right, and how are we going to balance the celebration that is about to come starting, I guess, the second you walk out of this press conference and, you know, into next week, and then still only having a week off and then having to dive right back into the outdoor season. So what's your schedule going to look like as you celebrate this well-earned first-ever 450 championship and then prepare to take one in the outdoors as well? Yeah, uh, we'll definitely celebrate tonight and just the next few days, obviously. And uh, I have a test scheduled in Florida Tuesday through Saturday, basically. So back to work, and it's uh, it's it's never never ending for uh, for us. We obviously want to celebrate and cherish this this championship with Honda. Yeah. It's, hasn't been done since 2003, so it's uh, it's definitely a cool feeling, especially for me being. Being where I am in my career, I'm I'm really happy to check this one off my list. But yeah. um, it's gonna it's gonna come down to outdoors, and yeah, I'm definitely ready to start testing and get ready for that series. All right, let's look back a couple years when you came up and, and you've been a Honda dude your whole life, uh, basically, and now here you are getting your first 450 championship for this team. It's got to feel really, really good. But did you see this for yourself? If, if two years ago, did you see yourself going, hey, I'm going to be the 450 Supercross champion within the next couple of years? Uh, was that something that you dreamed of, obviously, but but did you see coming to fruition? Like, where are you right now and looking at your path to this championship? 
I'm I'm pretty sure my words were when I came off of uh, 2020. I told either Brandon or uh, Bill from Honda, I'm like, I will I will win you guys a championship before I leave here, and that was maybe a little bit arrogant to say, but I really believed in in myself, and it's uh, it's it's pretty cool to to win them a championship. I was obviously close last year in outdoors yeah. and didn't get it done, and um, yeah, it's 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 cool to get it done in Supercross. This is obviously the the main the main not the main championship but yeah. there's a lot of hype around this this one and yeah. it's uh like i said I, I have a loss of words and super happy with how the team has really rallied around me this this year and we put a lot of work into the bike it's so much better than what we started on uh or ended on last year and okay. it's uh just goes to show how hard those guys work and means a lot to be a part of that team all right and being the success that you had last year in outdoor season when you were right there it came down to the final race between you and eli and you were in that all the way up to the checkered flag of winning the outdoor championship uh, at what point this year when it looked like you were out of it we, we had cooper ahead of you you had eli ahead of you you were pretty far back from some stuff that happened in the middle of the season. Uh, how, how did you not just say, you know what, I'm going to start getting ready for outdoors and focus on winning an outdoor championship? And how did you guys balance trying to stay in the hunt here for this championship, which now sits right there in front of us? We're looking at it. You've got it. It's tangible. Uh, how did you balance kind of riding off the Supercross season and moving on to the outdoor season while we were still in the Supercross season and you were really falling behind there? Yeah, I... Uh... I started riding outdoors probably around maybe like even Atlanta after that. I started riding outdoors once a week. Obviously not focusing on outdoors, but starting to get kind of shifted over to outdoors. And I think it even helped me on Supercross, just kind of mixing it up, getting some speed back, the corner corner speed, everything like that. So it, uh, yeah, I I never thought the championship was over. Like I said, it's anything can happen. It's. It's 17 rounds, obviously for a reason, and it's it's an early series like like we've seen this year. So you got to be built for it and uh, reliable, obviously. So um, I never gave up on it. And I wanted to win as many races as I possibly could in this last this yeah. little six race break we had or races. So um, yeah, my my mindset never changed. I wanted to win, and um, like like I said, it, it even in the mid season when I was having those races where I was crashing, I'd get up and just try and claw myself back to a position where I thought that um, would get me enough, get me some points and not uh, not quit. Even in Indianapolis, when I crashed behind Kenny, I, yeah. I tried to ride with bent bars, and <laughs> it uh, it all pays off in the in the long run. So um, never give up is really the the motive behind uh, the season. And you know what? I think at times, Chase, you may have been the only guy that was believing in you. And, and what did you learn from that experience, from never quitting, never giving up, just showing true grit and determination and just determined to fight your way back into this championship when it looked like you were out and people were counting you out? Like, what did you learn about yourself as a racer at that point of the season? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I had a I have a little bit of a lull that, that midseason where I lost uh, a lot of points and winning yeah. Detroit and losing seven points wasn't wasn't ideal. And yeah. I mean after that race I feel like I kinda got the vibe I was not not really a part of the championship talk anymore. Okay. And it, it kinda like honestly pissed me off a little bit. I was yeah. I was pretty motivated and 
I uh, just told myself, like, man, we got to start winning races. My goal this year was to win seven races. I obviously, I won six, which didn't didn't meet that uh, didn't meet that goal. But I uh, I just told myself, like, if I can win win races and just put some pressure on the guys that I was um, behind. Yeah, you know, pressure is is not a uh, not ideal and not like Eli was feeling pressure, but yeah. even in Denver, he wanted to he wanted to beat me and. I obviously wanted to beat him, so it's just uh, being a racer. And like I said, those I didn't I didn't like not being in the conversation. I feel like I was worthy of it. And uh, like I said, I I wanted to prove the haters wrong this yeah. uh, this season, especially mid season when I feel like everything I, I saw was negative. So okay. try to turn it into a positive, and it's uh, it's paid off. What have you learned, Chase, from that period where you were behind, where you were chasing, but you were chasing two of the best in the game in Cooper Webb and Eli Tomac? Like, did you learn anything uh, that helped propel you to this point of, you know, winning the championship as you were following those guys and chasing those guys all season and, and likely also from last season in the outdoor? I think just riding with Cooper and Eli, especially yeah. Eli in outdoors last year, I learned so much. <laughs> I think I said it maybe in the – press conference uh, prior to this race uh you don't obviously talk to somebody when you're racing 30 minute motos in, <laughs> yeah. in the motocross championship but you learn about somebody's character uh, yeah. within those 30 minutes and with eli i he taught me so much last year i couldn't okay. not obviously i didn't win the championship last year but i could i wouldn't change anything i couldn't yeah. learn more from from something uh, other than just racing him last year, and it was yeah. really special for me. And going to motocross and nation was nations with him, and just seeing his his mentality. The guy, the guy wants to win at all cost, and uh, I wanted to get a little bit more of that in me. And even Cooper, he's man mentally. Some people say he doesn't have the speed, but he makes up for it in the <laughs> mental yeah, category. And it, uh, it's it's cool to race those guys yeah. and take some parts of their their game that they're better than me and try and. Uh, put it into into my obviously i have the speed and yeah. that's not an issue just some other parts i need to fix and i feel like those guys have made me a better rider and the rider that i am today all right uh chase you also are wearing your chicago bulls uh race gear from alpine stars today and we all knew you were going to win the championship. You knew you'd be crowned the champion at the end of today, no matter what. So, was is that like a special, like your, your favorite outfit, your lucky outfit? Like, well, explain your gear selection tonight going into this championship race. I honestly, I didn't know what gear I was going to wear tonight. I, okay. I think I actually said that I wanted to wear the bull stuff, like probably six, seven races ago. Okay. They asked me what I wanted to wear, and it just so happened to uh, line up with tonight. It, obviously, like. Michael Jordan, Chicago yeah. means a lot to me. Being 23 and yeah. September September 23rd is my birthday, Man. so I just the whole 23 thing this year. <laughs> it it, uh, it was cool and yeah, the gear looked awesome today with the red plate. Yeah. It uh, nothing looks as looks as good with uh, <laughs> yeah. um, the red plate. Just makes everything tie together. So I'm really happy with how everything turned out. Alpine Stars won all uh, all three championships this this season. So. Yeah. Uh, Wow. Really special to see Gabrielle, um, the owner of Alpine Stars, down on the podium and celebrate with him. And 
uh, best gear in the business by far. All right, Chase, you are sitting here crowned the 450 Supercross champion. I know you won a race in Atlanta earlier in the year, and you said you felt like you were a more complete rider at that point. Now here you are, a dude that basically dug himself out of the grave and came back to win the 450 Supercross championship. Are you a more complete rider tonight? Uh, yeah, I would say I'm definitely more complete than I was beginning of the season nice. and even middle of the season. I I really turned a corner after that that break we had. Yeah. And uh, I don't I can't put, really put a word or put a finger on what it was exactly, but just me having that mental break and working on the bike and testing and it uh, it really paid off and yeah. I came into that into Phoenix ready to kind of just turn the season around and it it worked out. I won yeah. four of the last six races and it means a lot. It's, yeah. Like I said, the people in my corner, I couldn't couldn't be more proud of. And and uh, being from Illinois, I, I it's just it's super cool. I can't wait to see my the people I've kind of grown up with and celebrate with them. And it's really special. All right, Chase. Well, go celebrate with your teammates, your fans, your friends. You have earned a well deserved victory in the 450 Supercross Championship this year. Thank you so much for your time, man. Congratulations on, on a, just a great season. Thank you. You're welcome, man. Thank you so much. For, we really appreciate you, and we will talk to you in a couple weeks here at Pala for the kickoff of the outdoor season where I would say now you're the heavy favorite to pick up another chip, so go get it, man. Go celebrate, then go get back to work, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. I'm Stretch. This is the Big 49, your home of Moto Rock Extreme. <laughs> Man, Urge. Report. All right, you can take a guy out of the hood and give him millions of dollars, but you can't take the idiot out of an idiot, and that is the rule with Ja Morant. The guy is an idiot. He has once again got in trouble with the NBA after posing with a handgun on a social media post. And the last time he got in trouble for it, this is the second time it's happened, and the Memphis Grizzlies have announced he has been suspended from all league activity until they decide what to do with him. This was a live stream in a car with somebody driving down the road, and he pulled out a gun and flashed it. Somebody screenshotted it and ratted him out because that's the way it works. When idiots do idiot things on social media, they get in trouble. So way to go, John Moran. Arby's is all about the meats, but not the kind of meat they recently found in a freezer at a Louisiana restaurant. No, they walked into the freezer in the morning and they found one of their co-workers dead in the freezer. They thought immediately maybe they were robbed and she had been murdered, but it looks more like this girl had wandered into the freezer, got locked in there, and died from freezing to death. An investigation is currently underway. All right, I'm not even a Patriots fan, and this seems like sacrilege to me. There is a rumor out there that Tom Brady, who is already business partners, with uh, Las Vegas Raiders owner Mark Davis in a WNBA team is looking to buy into the Las Vegas Raiders and be part owner of the NFL team. And they say it is totally okay with this Fox contract to still be an announcer and be a minority owner because he's not going to have anything to do with football decisions or with personnel decisions or anything like that. So he's got the green light. It looks like him and Davis are going to cut a deal and the GOAT is going to be part owner of the Las Vegas Raiders. The Man Entertainment with Stretch. Big 4-9, it is a Stretch Show. Shout out once again to Chase Sexton. Congrats on a season, and thanks for taking the time afterwards. Getting uh, all the questions in. That is awesome. And, man, that's a long interview. I Almost like 17 minutes of just Chase. And that's, I'm not kidding, many, many, many times this season, that was... 
the combined time we would get with three riders. So to get down with Chase like that, that was cool. I'm, I'm a shout out to Feld for. I will tell you this: when it comes to this industry of moto, they are hands down the tightest ship in the game. They they absolutely run a tight ship. They do really great stuff. They give us access. They get the you know the press conferences all set up and dialed in. They get access and they are a Amazing! So shout out to uh, our friend Sean over there and everybody that hooks us up at Feld. We appreciate you guys as well. Thank you for a great season, and we look forward to working with you guys. I don't know if we're working with Feld or with the pro motocross people when it comes to the playoffs because that's never happened before, but I, I do greatly enjoy working with uh, the Feld Supercross people, so thank you so much for that. And now we're going to dive into outdoors and roll into that. Big 49 will be broadcasting live there's a big weekend. Next weekend is a weekend off. And then after that, we are hitting the ground running, so to speak. We will go into the outdoors on Saturday at Fox Raceway at Pala for the kickoff of the outdoor season. And we'll be live and broadcasting from there all day on Saturday, all effing day. And then we're looking at doing uh, Sunday, we're doing a car show. I got to get the details on the car show because I want to start pumping that up as well. And that's just going to be a big 4910 out there, uh, probably uh, moto blasted music. Because Sundays, I have this god-awful real job that I have to go to. And I also have to then uh, record my stretch show for the Monday edition on Sunday afternoons. So I will not be to the car show, but the big 49 will be there. You can come out and say hi. Meet up with Moto Man. Don't punch him in the nuts. Well, maybe you punch him in the nuts. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's what floats your boat. Speaking of getting punched in the nuts, let's talk about a crazy stalker right now. This dude is a party, and his defense is basically, no, she wanted to be stalked. What are you talking about? She told me she wanted to be stalked. Our entire relationship was based on me uh, stalking her. She was into it, and I, he might get away with this, and this dude's a crazy stalker. Don't get me wrong. He is a crazy stalker, and he might get away with it because the chick he's stalking is an OnlyFans model. And what's really crazy about it is she says, she self-admits, like, yeah, I had a lot of conversations with this guy. I have these weird perverts on the phone with me all the time, and I'm usually really drunk just to get through it. You're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. So you are drunk, and you don't really remember if you told this guy to come and stalk you or not? It's it's that kind of weirdness. Like, this dude's going to freaking get away with being a psycho stalker. So much of a psycho stalker, by the way, that he broke into this girl's house. He's from Pennsylvania. She lives in New Hampshire. He 19-year-old Mauricio Guerrero. And he goes on the stand in New Hampshire, and he's like, no, 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 no. I am not a pervert. I did not sneak into her home and live in her attic for three days and come down and take photos of her while she slept, which is all very true. He said, no, that was part of the dynamic of our relationship. She wanted me to be an obsessed stalker, and she really liked it. Of course, remember she said, oh, no, no, I was drunk. I have no idea what I say when I'm doing those OnlyFans things. He said, we would talk about meeting up, about me coming up there and seeing her, and we would talk about having sex. Well... Of course, she woke up one day and found him in her house and freaked out and screamed and called the popo and they came and arrested him because the psycho had been broken into her house, living in her attic and coming down and taking pictures of her at night. 
She also testified that she kept communicating with, with him because, well, she liked how he made her feel. So he's a stalker, but he lived in Pennsylvania. I'm in New Hampshire. Seemed fine. She kind of kept like, like leading this guy on. Well, guess what? Don't lead on a crazy dude because he'll come and play the real stalker game with you. They say Guerrero believes that the two are in a relationship. He thought like, yeah, this is our thing. I come up and stalk her and she digs it. He said he came in the house through the open back door. Like, yeah, she left the back door open for him. That, that sounds to me like a real relationship. She leaves the back door open for you. That's your girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he came in through the back door. Trial's expected to go on for another week. He just took the stand this week with his defensive. Wait a minute, that, that's our relationship. She loves being stalked. We'll see how this goes, but with her saying I was drunk and I let him on and I like doing it because he made me feel good, she may be uh, having a stalker that's not going to be in jail after this. She's got to file a restraining order and say I don't feel safe with this guy and keep him, keep him away from me. But I don't think this guy's going to go to jail for this. Pretty crazy. All right, coming up next, let's get into something that's going on in uh, Maine. And they are kicking the crap out of all other states. And it's about marijuana, legal marijuana. And I love what they did. And we're going to talk about this next. They're a shining example of what California and New York screwed up. It's the Big 49. Big, big, big. big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. Now, as for Rookies of the Year awards go, I couldn't be happier and more in line with the decision to give the 250 Rookie of the Year to Mr. Hayden Danger Boy Deegan. That kid absolutely came out and had a kick-ass phenomenal season as a 17-year-old rookie on that Star Racing Yamaha team. Not only did he have multiple podiums, but he actually won some heat races, and he came in second place overall in the championship point standings for the 250 East behind only Hunter Lawrence. And of course, he's not going to beat Hunter Lawrence. Hunter Lawrence is a freaking beast. So shout out to Danger Boy Deacon. Congratulations on a great rookie year and a well-deserved Rookie of the Year award. I am Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 49. It's a Stretch show here on a Monday morning. Thank you for listening to us. Don't forget Big 49. Got a Stretch show podcast everywhere podcasts are served. If you were into the Moto Show on Saturdays, it is a video vlog available on our website at big49radio.com or the big49.com. They all go to Big 49. We got websites everywhere. They all just point back to us. It's the Big 49. It's the Big 49. Moto Rock Extreme. That's what we do. We're everywhere. We're up in you like Dr. Dre. Right now, let's talk about marijuana coming from the state of Maine. Maine, they say, is a shining example of how to do legal marijuana correctly. And they call what California did is the cookie monster of greed is what they call California in this article. They say it's created havoc in the industry and it's hurt the small businesses and the equity players. They say they want to help. New York City screwed it up so bad that they started to roll it out and then they they realized it was out of control and they didn't know what they were doing and they ripped it back and they left 1,500 unlicensed stores open who are out there charging a fortune for weed and they don't even have a license and they can't stop it because they've screwed it up so bad. But no, Maine came in and Maine said, all right, here's what we're going to do. 
We're not going to tax the hell out of it like California and be greedy sons of bitches. Gavin Newsom, we're looking right at you and your Aunt Pelosi. Uh, They say instead they decided that they would do everything they could to help this emerging industry survive and thrive in their state. They came to Maine and they say in, in doing so, through their study of over a decade, they've been studying the cannabis policy regulation and implementation and politics. And they say that they looked at highly respected people in the industry and they got the opportunity to review how states rolled out their programs and they saw, looking at California New York in particular, how to not do it. They say the state of California saw legal marijuana as a pure revenue opportunity and did not look at how to build an industry and be like, hey, this is California. We got farmland up the wazoo. We got a state with 23 million people. We could really cultivate this into quite the financial empire for ourselves if we just helped them cultivate it into an empire. Well, they didn't do that. California, much like we deal with here at the 49, California has a choking policy where if you can survive paying them absorbent amounts of money at all angles before you ever make a dime, paying them thousands and thousands of dollars and the insane amounts of regulation handed down by the state, all right, then maybe you've got a business and they don't care. If you go under, they got their money. You never got yours. You're in the hole because you've been living in California and operating in California. It is. It's the cookie monster of greed. It's a perfect example. So what they did in Maine when they rolled it out and they rolled it out correctly, they immediately saw a 94% boost from 2021 to 2022 in recreational marijuana. And they also saw a 64% drop in the illicit market, the black market, which is thriving in California because of so much regulation that I mentioned and so much tax revenue and so much smothering of the state that the black market is still way more profitable in a state like California than doing it legal. If you're legal, you're a dumbass and you're getting just ash raped. So these guys went in with the, like, let's, all right, let's not be California, first of all. Let's be the antithesis of California. Let's help these people survive. Let's work with these people. Let's not overtax them. Let's not uh, issue so many licenses that the state is oversupplied. And let's roll this out in partnership with all of these people. And that's exactly what they've did. And they're now being looked at as probably the most successful state to ever have recreational marijuana. And they say on par with Colorado, if not better than Colorado. And Colorado's been the shining example Every other state just got greedy and tried to tax it and ended up screwing themselves and screwing the industry. And and basically the industry flounders and goes away. And what's going to happen is a few big dollar people get in and buy it all up. And then voila, California doesn't care. They don't care if they're getting the tax revenue from a big ass company or a little ass company. They're just taking the money and they don't give an F about you, the citizen, or the little Joe small business owner. So the early success in Maine on the cannabis policy is being looked at now by everyone as like, hey, wow, maybe we should do it like that. And they say it's pretty basically, they just do inventory tracking. So they track it from seedling, from the time it's a seed till it's in a store, every batch. That's their regulation. That seems extreme. You're like, wow, but that's how they keep the stuff that's grown for legitimate sale from going into the black market because they know where it is. They know from the time it's been freaking hatched from a seedling. 
And then it also prevents any black market stuff from getting into the legitimate sales stuff. And they track it all with barcodes, etc. They know where it is from the time it's hatched to the time it's grown to the time it's in the store. And they say the inventory tracking is the biggest thing to consider. They say, although there's potential challenges and benefits to the batch tracking system, it seems to really, really be working for these guys. And it's, it's basically barred the black market stuff from getting into the legal stuff. Whereas California, trust me, you got legal stuff going in the black market because it's better grown in lab stuff. And then it gets in the black market where they make a lot more profit on it and they cut the state up because the state is so smothering of their business. And then you've got people that are like, all right, if I don't have to buy it from these guys with all the sanctions on them that grow it legally, I'll buy it from guys that grow it illegally, then I'll finally make a profit on the stuff I'm selling in my store because the state is effing me. So by tracking it through the entire lifespan of the plant to the store, they are able to really have a handle on legal marijuana in Maine and people are, are seriously digging this. It's like, this is cool. Seems, sounds easy, right? Sounds basic. Why can't California figure that out? Why can't New York figure that out? Oh, yeah, I know why. Because they got a money addiction problem in those states because they got Democrats running those states. And those people like money more than anything in the world. Way more than they like you, your business, your family, or your children. Yeah, they like your money. And they like to tell you you're not smart enough to know what to do with your money. They'll tell you what to do with your money because they're apparently smarter than everyone. Only they're a bunch of idiots that think they're smarter than everyone. And it's a big problem. A huge problem. So there you go. Let's get into this one next. Starbucks is pulling a fast one. They just put a, announced a $1 charge. If you order your drink a certain way, there's going to be an extra $1 charge. It's not coffee drinks. But we'll talk about this one next. It's the Big 4-9. Big 49. It's a stretch show here on a Monday a non-moto week. It's going to be weird. Got to be weird not having moto this week. I promise you this. I am not doing a moto show on Saturday with no moto. I'm taking the week off. I'm about to hang myself. I'm so fried from working. I just really... I am so excited that I the light is at the end of the tunnel. That I will have my crazy 24-hour day, 31-hour day on Thursday into to Friday. And then on Friday, I have the day off. And then Saturday, I have the day off. And then Sunday, it's back to work, so I'm going to do nothing. Planning on not getting out of my underwear and not getting out of my house for two days next weekend. Or this weekend. Oh, God, it's going to be lovely. I am so happy. Oh, boy. Right now, let's talk about Starbucks, though. You may not be happy about this. I know I go to Starbucks sometimes with my son, and my son will order. We both like to order iced tea. And he said, he goes, Dad, they water down the iced tea. You have to order it with no water. So that way it's just the tea concentrate the whole time. Granted, it's obviously got water in it, but usually they give you about a half a cup of, of actual brewed up iced tea and then they water it down, they put ice in it, and then they put, fill the rest with water. That's how you get it. But if you order it without water, I always notice his is always darker than mine. Because I don't care. I'm not a picky bitch. <laughs> and Starbucks now announced that their 170,000 ways for customers to tailor their drinks is about to get more expensive. They say that uh, there's a new $1 charge that's going to be out there if you order a refresher drink with no water. Say typically they're made from fruit juices or extracts, 
and they save money by watering it down. And people are aware of this, so they think they're getting more for their buck if they order it with no water. And now Starbucks is like, all right, you can order it like that, but there's going to be a dollar charge every time you do it. So if you are a Starbucks fruity fruit drinker that likes to be smart and order it with no water, it just got more expensive. They say the Starbucks refreshers come in a number of flavors that include mango, dragon fruit, pineapple, passion fruit, lemonade, strawberry, acai, acai lemonade, all kinds of stuff. So if you are ordering those up, get ready to pay more for them. I don't drink those. I drink iced tea. They got really good brewed uh, black iced tea, which I love. I also like a passion fruit iced tea, uh, but I do not like fruity iced teas. Those are gross, and I'll punch you in the in the penis for showing one to me. Yes, I will, because I'm an angry old man. Get off my lawn. All right, coming up next, let's go to something that we all need right now, a miracle, and it happened here in America, and the uh, church that it happened in is petitioning the Vatican to get it seen as a miracle. They're not talking about it too much. They, the cat's out of the bag because people were like, whoa, this is crazy. And it involves uh, the Lord Jesus and the host, if you will. It's, it's pretty cool. I love these stories. We'll get into one next. It's the Big 49. Big, big, big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. Saturday night at the final round of the Supercross in Utah. The announcements were made about the Rookies of the Year. And for the 450 division, it was Colt Nichols of the HRC Honda team. And don't get me wrong, Colt Nichols is a damn good rider and I really like him, but the guy was hurt for much of the season. I was very surprised to see him win that award. And on the night that he gets the award, he's not even there racing because he once again was banged up. It's a sport where people stay banged up, so being banged up, you can't take away from the abilities of the rider. So congratulations to Colt Nichols on your Rookie of the Year award. I am Stretch, another Moto Minute, brought to you by LBZ, is coming up one hour from now. Big 4-9, it's Stretch Show here on a Monday morning, and going to get into a good story. Not a lot, not often I do good news or I don't go into a psychotic rant about something. Today I'm not going to do that. I'm going to keep it, I'm going to keep it nice here tell you guys about a miracle that happened right here in America. And don't poo-poo the miracles. Little things happen, man, and people see them and people believe. This happened in Hartford, Connecticut at Thomaston's St. Thomas Catholic Church. They've officially petitioned the Vatican to uh, see if this is a possible miracle, and it happened on March 5th of this year. So they're doing the service on March 5th. And they reported that during the Holy Communion, the Holy Communion is where you go up and get the wine and the little wafer. And a layperson, if, if you don't know, if you don't go to a church that does it like this, you don't have to be, you don't have to get it from the priest. You can come out and they have people that in the church that are what they call uh, uh Oh my God, I'm drawing a blank. They are uh, sacramental ministers is what they are. And they just basically put you through a little training. And then during the mass, when there's a lot of people there to expedite things, they'll have regular people that'll come up out of the stands. They'll go up to the altar. They'll have a little tray. Inside that tray will be the wafers. And another one will have the cup with the wine. 
and they will serve you that and you can go through a lot faster and they will administer the sacraments to you. So here they are. They're in the middle of mass. They're serving away and a lay person looks down and they gave them their little tray with X amount of wafers in it. And then at some point, the thing was like overflowing full with wafers. Like there was more than there was when they started. And they went back up and they're like, How, what happened here? Like the priest knows, the priest knows he divides it up evenly. All right, there's 30, 40 people on this side, 30, 40 people on this side, 30, 40 people in the middle. All right, we're good. And then all of a sudden they come back with all this extra bread and you're like, what happened? Remember, it's the uh, blood of Christ, bread of heaven. So what happened is the thing was overflowing with wafers afterwards. And it's a big deal. The uh, doctrine of faith has been notified and they're conducting their own investigation. They are within the diocese. And then the diocese is now petitioning Rome, which is the Vatican and the archdiocese. There's all these levels that it has to go through. And they're saying, we're not going to give any more comments on this at this time, but it's what happened. Uh, There's another guy out there who's a, they call the miracle hunter. He's now investigating. And then there's the naysayers. They're like, this isn't true. The guy just put more wafers in there, extra wafers. And no, but they know what they're doing because at the end, you can't throw that stuff away. It's got to be disposed of in an exact way after it's brought out. It's very, because it's believed as you're taking that. It is the body of Christ. It is the the uh, blood of Christ. Once it is blessed on the altar and has gone through that ritual, it is believed as that. So you can't, you're not going to go flush Jesus down the toilet when you're done with it. So when this guy comes back with a bowl full of wafers, when he didn't have a bowl full of wafers to begin with, they're like, what's happening? And the person's like, I don't know. I opened it and all of a sudden there was all this extra in there. So they're saying that the Lord grew within the cup. Uh, They also say this isn't the only time that there's a lot of miracles that will happen around the world with uh, the sacraments of Christ uh, going down. They say there's been stuff in Poland where the wines actually become blood. There's times that they've spilt the wafers on the floor. When they picked them up, they were actually had, they were, like fleshy, like crazy stuff has happened. There have been many other miracles around the sacraments. Yeah, uh, one in 2008, after it accidentally fell on the floor, they were determined to have traces of heart tissue in them. In 1996, in Buenos Aires, fragments of the host reportedly turned into blood, so the wafers turned into blood in the bowl. Another one in Mexico uh, where the same thing happened. It is various types of Eucharistic miracles, but the ones that are the most uh, remarkable are on rare occasions where the host is said to bleed human blood. And they'll run it and they'll be like, that's human blood. Where'd that come from? Uh, I think our wine bottles are contaminated. It's pretty cool. And it's, if you're a faithful person, it's it's a, you know, a shot in the arm in a time when the world is horrible to keep your faith and keep going. So, I love this. Miracle right here in America, in Connecticut. And we'll see what if they do find it as a miracle. It takes a very long time for the investigation and everything. But as of now, they're looking at it as a miracle locally. And now they're sending it to Rome to get it certified as a miracle. We'll see what Rome says after their investigation. All right. 
I am stretched. Up next, we're going to go from one miracle to another. This miracle is a miracle that this young girl survived. Apparently, she doesn't listen to Stretch. She's in Florida. It is your Fistful of Florida story coming up on a big 49. Big, big, the big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. You watched our Supercross coverage on Saturday night. You probably heard us talking about the brand new podcast from Adam C. and Cirillo. Now, the deal is this. I like Adam C. and Cirillo, so I'm going to talk about this because Adam C. is a cool dude. In 6040, it's probably a pretty good podcast. If you want to go check it out, just follow Adam C. on social media. He's got the links to all of it. The first episode just popped up. He says they're not talking about just motocross. In fact, dirt bikes and stuff isn't the only thing they do at all. They talk about all kinds of stuff. And I'll give you this. Adam Zanzarillo is a pretty funny dude, so go check out his podcast if you're looking for some good moto content. I am Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 4-9. It is Stretch Show. Tell you guys, I got 99 problems and a shark ain't one. You know why? Stretch listens to Stretch. I heed my own advice. I say, Stretch, you are a wise and great man. I will listen to you and not go in the ocean. I don't need to go in the ocean. You know what? Swimming pools are lovely this time of year. I'll go in one of those. Yeah, I'll go in freshwater. I'll jump in the lake. Nothing's going to eat me in there, typically. You might get some mongo catfish. That'd be a freak of nature at that point. It's just your time to go. But a shark? Nope. Shark not getting stretch re. I promise you. Not going to happen. Let's go to Florida right now. You know what happens in Florida? People get freaking savage, ravaged by sharks on a regular... Here we got a photo of a 13-year-old girl. She went to the beach with her family in Fort Pierce, Florida. Her name was Ella Reed. She's sitting in shallow water with her friend right near the jetty at Fort Pierce Beach. When suddenly, as she's sitting in the sand in the shallow water, and by the way, Florida, way better than California when it comes to clear water. You can see stuff. They see a shark come flying up out of nowhere, and she felt an immense pain in her side. She says the shark itself was so powerful that she felt that that was the biggest thing. It kept hitting her in the stomach, like ramming her. Only the cheeto was eating her. It was slamming in the side of her and biting her. At that point, she realized she's getting attacked by the shark, so she started punching it and hitting it. The shark also bit her arm and her finger and her knee because she finally stood up and started to run away. And they say it was a probably about a six-foot uh, bull shark that attacked her. They got the girl to the hospital. She did not die. She did not lose any limbs. They say it could be way, way worse. She had to get a lot of stitches. She got stitches in both her stomach, in her knee, in her arm, and in her finger where it had bit her. And she fought it off. And I got a shout out. Shout out to a 13-year-old biological girl. Sad I got to say that. Who's probably tougher than a 13-year-old biological boy in these uh, days and age. So she fought that thing off. Very good for her. Kicked that shark in the ass. Got up out of there. But imagine you're just sitting there in the sand playing with your friend. Oh, my God. You know, Bobby, that's cool. He's so cute. Bam! What was that? Ah, ah, it's biting me. That's crazy. But you know what would happen? Listen to the stretch show. And you'd be like, stretch says sharks are dangerous. And if you go to the beach, especially in Florida or Australia or, or Hawaii, a shark going to come up and just ravage you. That's what Stretch says. Ah, he's crazy. Let's go in the water. Oh, got bit. Should have listened to Stretch. That's the way it goes. So I'm glad the little girl's okay. I'm glad she didn't die. We have a lot of fatal shark attacks. But this one, not so much. And she's going to make a full recovery. 
little girl says she's proud of the scar she has because she knows it could have been much worse. And now she can show people, yeah, this scar, I got attacked by a shark. And I kicked its ass and got away. That's pretty badass. But I, I'd rather not fight the shark, personally. Just saying. All right, coming up next, I got more for your ass. How about this? I got a liquor store clerk that's a shiesty shyster shyster that's going to go to jail. Get into this one next. It's the Big 4-9. Big, 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 the Big 49 Moto Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. Saturday night, there was some Moto Superstars racing right here in Southern California that you probably didn't know about because I'll be honest with you, I didn't know about it either until I looked at the Instagram and I saw a post from Ryan Surratt. You know Ryan Surratt is a badass, all-purpose motocross racer, rider. The guy can do it all. And over the weekend, he was at the Costa Mesa Speedway for Nobby Night, and he had a flat track race against none other than Ryan Villapoto, and he beat him. I saw the video online. I'm like, wait a minute, that just happened on Saturday night? That's crazy. I didn't even know that was going down. Pretty badass that there's dudes of that caliber out there on dirt bikes riding flat track. I'm Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 49. It is a Stretch show on a Monday morning. Welcome to it. We're going to tell you about a shysty liquor store clerk operator that's got to go to jail. Her and her friends. Here's what happened. Guy goes into her liquor store in Massachusetts. She's a mass hole. Her name is Carly Nunez. No relation to iCarly of Lakeville, Massachusetts. She's been indicted by a Plymouth grand jury and is now facing charges of larceny from a building, attempted larceny, presentation of a false claim, and witness intimidation in the Plymouth District Court. Here's what happens. A four-month investigation into this shysty lady named iCarly. And after the investigation and a thorough going through of video surveillance footage and records and witness interviews, they determined to indict her. Here's why. She was a clerk at a liquor store. And a guy comes into her store. And she... January 17th, man comes into her store. His name is Savas, S-A-V-A-S. Uh, no, I'm sorry, that's the store. Savas Liquors at Bedford Street in Lakeville. Uh, this guy comes in and he's like, hey, I want these potato chips. I want uh, state lottery quick pick. I want a mega million lottery quick pick. And two for the Massachusetts cash lottery. And I want a multiplier on my mega millions to increase the jackpot price. So he bought a bag of chips and all of that lottery and it was 12 bucks. I don't know if the guy was drunk, it doesn't say, but he then walked out of the store without any of the tickets. So he walked out with his bag of chips and he didn't have his tickets. And on video, you could see iCarly was behind the counter. She ran up the bill she charged him you can see how much she charged him it was in the register 12 bucks it went in and the guy left without the tickets well guess what happened that night those tickets won three million dollars is what happened so the guy leaves the store he doesn't take his tickets and i carly's like and what's weird is the tickets when she went to redeem them it was ripped and partially burned almost like she had started to rip it and throw it in the trash but she's like i better check it 
And then she scanned it and realized it won $3 million and was like, hell yeah, I'm going to go and claim this money. A co-worker at the liquor store she works at, 32-year-old man from Manchester named Joseph Redim, he drove her there and her boyfriend to the Massachusetts Lottery headquarters to redeem the winning ticket of $3 million. Now, Redham also indicted on a charge of attempted extortion in connection with her scheme. Here's what goes down. She shows up to the lottery office. She gives him the winning ticket. They say they noticed it's torn and burned a little bit, but they're like, let's scan it. The scanning number's still there, and voila, all right, you're the $3 million winner. But they say shortly after cashing the ticket that uh, iCarly and Mr. Redham were caught on surveillance video arguing in the lobby about money. Apparently she said, I'm going to give you $200,000 for driving me here. And he's like, hell no, you're not. So they, they're like, well, this is weird. So they say those actions caused them to be suspicious of they're only giving him $200,000. They're like, what's going on here? Meanwhile, the guy was looking for his lottery tickets everywhere and it's like, I must have lost them. They must have fell out of my pocket. Oh, well, I didn't win. No big deal. Only he did win and he didn't know it. Lucky for him, there was an investigation into this suspicious lottery ticket being cashed by iCarly, the clerk that sold him the winning ticket that didn't give it to him. So, she shows up at the law office. They're now suspicious. They now launch an investigation. And then once they go back to the machine, they realize she said, oh yeah, I work at that liquor store where I won and I bought the ticket at the end of my shift. Well, they went through the video cameras and they're like, well, that's not true. Ticket was bought at this point. This guy was at the counter. This guy was charged $12 for a bag of chips. They put two and two and two and two together and they realize that guy's the guy that purchased the winning ticket. We don't know who he is. And we got to find him. So they are able to, they are actually able to track him down. And they told, the lottery officials told her, all right, this is yours once we clarify a few things and we'll give you the money. But in the meantime, we're going to do an investigation. And after the investigation, they realized, oh, no, she's a thieving bastard that tried to steal a lottery ticket that a guy left behind. And the state police eventually tracked down the rightful owner of the lottery ticket. And he is the rightful owner of the cash jackpot. And the Massachusetts State Lottery has given him the $3 million prize. And they have indicted iCarly and her friend. Pretty fun, right? Shady people. I always hear about that. Like, I put the lottery app on my phone, Justin, because I don't trust store clerks. I hear so many stories of people going in, going, did I win? And they scan your ticket. Go, oh, no, yeah, you won $20. And then it ended up winning a hundred grand. And you're like, yeah, those people that work there are scumbags. And they don't make much money, and they're scummy. So get the lottery app. It's the best way to know if you won. But also, remember your ticket once you buy it, you jackass. That helps as well. All right, I'm Stretch. Going to get into the final hour of the Stretch show here coming up. Chase Sexton. Got a 17-minute interview with the champ. We'll do that next and then wrap it up. It's the Big 49. Big 49. It's a stretch show. Time to get up out of here. Uh, Later on this week, we will talk to both of the 250 Supercross champions. Their names are Jet and Hunter Lawrence. We will get down with the brothers Lawrence later on this week. We also will have Aaron Plessinger. We also will have uh, Justin Hill, which I'm freaking stoked on. Got up on the podium, a full-blown privateer from Team Tedder, and that's stoked as hell. This guy's got a really cool backstory, and we'll get into that with him. And then we also got uh, Levi Kitchen up on there and RJ Hampshire as well. A lot of moto to get to 
the rest of this week, and we will bang that all out. So thank you for listening. Congratulations to the champions. Congratulations to HRC Honda for a clean sweep this year. And get ready for outdoor season, which is what we will be doing very, very soon. Big 49 will be there, Fox Raceway at Pala. You can still get your tickets. And I know people are poo-pooing on outdoor right now with all the injuries, but you're going to have Chase Sexton in rare-ass form. You're going to have Jet Lawrence on a 450, who is fast as hell, that little bastard. That Aussie kid is fast on a 450. And you got Dylan Ferrandez with something to prove and a chip on his shoulder after a solid year of injury. A lot is going to go down at Fox Raceway. And the rumor that Jeffrey Erlings, the greatest MXGP racer ever, will be here. He's the Eli Tomac of Europe at this point. He really is. He's coming. So we're going to have some interesting stuff go down at Fox Raceway. So if you haven't got your tickets, get your tickets and we will see you there. Right now, I've got to go home. I'm going to pack it up, go to work, do my thing. Try not to die. Try to live for another day so I can come back and do it all again. Wash, rinse, repeat. Wash, rinse, repeat. You ever feel like that's your life? That's what I feel like. Just power through, man. Head down. Tighten the chin strap and plow through that wall. They put a wall in front of me. I'm just going to run harder through it. That's what I do. I'm the stretch. I'm the greatest radio broadcaster in the history of ever. I'm the greatest moto radio broadcaster ever. I might be the only moto radio broadcaster ever. But still, it makes me the greatest. Technicalities I don't care about. Yeah, that's what I know. You guys, uh, thank you in all seriousness for listening to the show. Thank you for listening to Big 49. And we got more moto coming up for you. It is not over yet. So I'll talk to you again tomorrow. Until then, God bless you all. And God bless the United States of America.